Welcome to Mastering Your 30s, a podcast to guide women in their 30s about how to relax, enjoy the ride, and make investments for their future health, wealth, and well-being, and for women beyond their 30s to share their wisdom and experience with others. I am Alev Bakam, health and nutrition coach and founder of Health & Co. In this episode, my guest is Amita Kumar. Dr. Amita Kumar, a Canadian native, is a primary care physician in San Antonio, Texas. She has been coaching for many years and formalized her coach training by getting certified at the Health Coach Institute in May 2022. Her passion lies in combining life coaching and practicing medicine to improve the health of those around her through an empowering support and accountability system. In her spare time, and I cannot imagine how she carved out that spare time, Dr. Kubala enjoys spending time with family and traveling. She strives for a balance of healthy eating, exercise, and fun in her life. Dr. Kumar educates and promotes this same philosophy to her patients and clients. Hi, Amita. Welcome. Thank you. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm great. It's finally cooling down here, so I'm enjoying the fall weather. Yeah, we transition from summer to fall very quickly in one day. Yes, yeah, us too. Well, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Uh, sure, yeah. I am a physician and health coach. I'm also a mom and daughter and wife and all those things. Um, but I think that the main thing is, is that I was born and raised in Canada mm-hmm. and I went to medical school in Ireland and then I met my husband there and then I moved to the States. So a lot of things that happened in the middle of all of that were not in my plans, mm-hmm. but I was pretty young. And when my parents moved to Texas, I did not want to go. And so I created a new path that was very unknown. Uh, at 17, 19 years old, it was not quite as scary feeling as I think it should have been now that I'm looking back. Uh, but I think that it also kind of set me up for the ability to push through on things that were unknown. Um, I, I know at 17, 18, 19 years old, I think that fear doesn't stop us like it does when you're my age in your 40s uh and so it's sometimes good to also look back and remember that i did those things because i don't think that a lot of us do that um so you have been through you have been in canada you have been in ireland and in states so you have been in three different also health environment i i'm assuming yes yes that's true and um honestly i'm a primary care physician so you know, I've been practicing for more than a decade, so like about 15 years, actually. And um, during the pandemic, like most people, I, I never thought I was going to have all these stories from the pandemic, but I'm, <laughs> realize, I'm realizing that I do. Um, and I think it it just gave me some downtime, start thinking a little bit more about things outside of my day to day, probably like most people. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have to 
get up and rush around and get my kids to school and need to work and them to activities, et cetera. So it gives you a bit of thinking time, which is interesting when you have young kids. Mm -hmm. And I decided to get my health coach certification. I really didn't know what that meant. Um, I just thought, well, as a primary care doctor, I feel like I am a health coach. I just don't really know what the tools are that I might need more of to do a better job and to improve my patients' outcomes and to you know, help them with their changes to get the results they want. And so in the last couple of years, that's been an incredible learning experience, incredible journey. And uh, my patients have benefited probably the most and, and myself, <laughs> for sure. Um, and, and it's been really enjoyable. And, and I've learned a lot about what I could do and, and more about like opportunities and things I never thought about before or had a little lot of time anyway. Well, can you tell us, like, what do we need a health coach? Like, if we have a primary physician, uh, like, as a put your primary physician hat on now. So, sure. before taking that uh, training and certification, would you recommend your patient to go to a health coach? Oh, I didn't know what a health coach was. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that as a physician, I wanted to be a health coach. In medical school, we learn to counsel our patients. We just, but that's it. Well, I mean, not learn to. We learn that we should counsel our patients, and that's part of a treatment plan. But we don't really learn, or we didn't learn how to do that. Now they're definitely teaching more of that. I was just at the medical school last week, and they were teaching motivational interviewing. Mm-hmm. So definitely, we're heading in that direction. But it takes time. Yes, And so definitely in our healthcare space, as far as medicine goes, mm-hmm. it's just not feasible for physicians to do both coaching and medicine, especially if they're working full time. Like there's just no way you can't finish all the things every day and be sane. Oh. So that's the big problem, probably time. Uh, you know, as a primary care doctor, I refer patients to nutritionist. I refer patients to psychologist. I refer mm-hmm. patients to physical therapy. I refer patients to online programs. I don't know, all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, if I had all the tools, I would do it all myself. I wasn't the expert and I tried because mm-hmm. of lots of reasons, you know, cost and time and mm-hmm. patient compliance, et cetera. Um, but I think now I can be a little bit more efficient Mm-hmm. And so I can start the ball rolling and I do kind of a combination of coaching and medicine. And I've seen some amazing, amazing changes in progress. But I think that everyone can use a, a coach. Yeah. You know, kind of like if you ask a therapist, I think all therapists will say everybody can use a therapist. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, it only it only improves your outcome. Like it doesn't mean you can't get from A to B. You definitely yes. can and probably will. Uh, but the coach kind of helps you do it a little faster probably and maybe with a little bit more permission to be afraid and a little bit of permission to have self-compassion and maybe with a little bit of help about catching you in the in the thought errors that we may have just because we're human you have the both aspect you have the medical aspect and the health coaching aspect so i'm sure your your patients are very lucky you know like what kind of services do you so do you provide uh, health coaching services to your medical uh, clients or do you have a separate uh, health coach i have a separate health coaching business um and life coaching business but um i can't help myself but but it's your question patient so i don't i don't like 
advertised coaching when I uh-huh. have patients, you know, um, they come willingly for medical care. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm there for. Mm-hmm. But it's very difficult to provide just, I, I don't, I don't think it's possible in fact for me to provide just medical care, but I don't obviously charge for coaching at the same time. Um, it's, it's all in one. So there, yeah, extra, I get extra benefits. Um, but I, I feel like I, I need can help them get the results that we both want. You know, if you come into my office because you have diabetes and we got to get it under control, but you know, you have a stressful job and you're not sleeping and you're not eating right because, you know, we're human, then why wouldn't I intervene or discuss or bring up? It's kind of like if I didn't bring up the fact that you're a smoker, I mean, that would be crazy, right? But, you know, just saying, oh, you should quit smoking isn't really helping my patient. Now they can decide whether they want to start that process. And then hopefully together we can create, you know, a system. Uh, really, I want to create a system of support and like you said, accountability. Yes, I think that's that's what the health coaching part is mostly, right? So do you have a, a specific uh, a patient or client type for your health coaching services? Um, Not yet. Not I think yet. that. It's hard for me to uh, be exclusive. I know, you know, all the entrepreneur blogs and podcasts I read and articles are all about, you know, finding your exact niche. Mm-hmm. I think that your niche is really amazing. I've thought about this a lot, just inspiring the next generation in general. Definitely for me, inspiring the next generation of doctors to be more healthy themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's very important. Yeah. Because it's it's easy for us to preach, but at some point you're going to stop and be like, what am I doing? Uh, I'm not sleeping well. I'm not eating well. Yes, I'm taking care of my patients. I'm sacrificing all these things. But is it really like if you wake up at 55 and you're like, what have I done with myself for 30 years? There's What's the point that, you know, sure, you've helped a lot of people. Yeah, go ahead. Let's talk about this. What would you recommend for, uh, let's say, first for healthcare professional in their 30s? to use that their this you know age wisely both like professionally but also for their health and well-being in in for their future i think 30s especially for women is tricky um if i had advice for myself in my 30s i mean i know this is going to sound kind of vague but really i think my advice to myself 10 years ago was you're on the right track Even though it feels like weird and unknown and sometimes a bit like crazy or like, what am I doing? Uh, I was actually doing exactly what I think I was supposed to be doing. I just didn't know. It felt odd. And and that was the scary part. Um, maybe I wish I had a coach. <laughs> I wish I'd been introduced to coaching uh, so that maybe somebody was there to tell me like, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be running around like a headless chicken with your little kids, right? Um, And, but also you don't need to feel guilty about taking care of yourself. Like, well, I've heard this term, you know, put your own oxygen mask on first for a long time. In fact, like soon after my daughter was born, I heard this, but I didn't really understand. Um, And definitely I felt guilty about it, right? Like it didn't mean choose myself over my daughter. It meant choose me and my daughter. Yes. And this and thing doesn't seem like it should be a coaching concept. It seems like it should be a regular, normal human concept. But um, it, it very much is because we see it. We say a lot of like, 
if I'm choosing me, then I'm not choosing my children. And that feels very odd, right? And in general, like, or I'm choosing me over my parents. That feels very odd also. Yes. Um, but I'm not choosing me over my kids or my parents. I'm choosing me and my kids and my parents, which is very different. Yes. And also, I think when people think about self-care and, you know, investing in themselves, like they sometimes think like spending hours and day to themselves, but it can be a, even like a, like a 15 minutes a day thing can be very beneficial for your own health. And it will, I think, show uh, immensely in your children, in your family members, you know, to, to people around you, because you will be doing something for yourself to to improve yourself too, your mood, your health, your well-being, whatever you are investing on, right? Yeah, I mean, we call it uh, like non-negotiables. And, mm -hmm. and that sounds like sometimes a bit negative, but really the point is, like you said, it's about self-care. There's, there's a funny book called Self-Care is Not a Manny Petty mm -hmm. um, because we always think that that's what it is. Like, I'm going to go treat myself to something. Uh -huh. First of all, Manny Petty is required. It's not, it's not, <laughs> not, like, not negotiable. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, you don't want to see my feet while I'm back here. Okay. <laughs> Nobody does. And so that's, that's necessary. But, you know, I think that for me, some of my self-care stuff is actually getting coaching, mm -hmm. um, taking the time, investing in myself in getting coaching, finding the right coach, trying new coaches, listening to a podcast. That's, mm -hmm. you know, I listen now, I listen to this podcast every day in the morning about the world the news but also like it's kind of a bonus if i get to listen to my podcast about just improving myself or mm -hmm. mindfulness i think you know five or ten minutes five minutes even a mindfulness a day and 30 minutes of exercise for me almost every day or movement it doesn't have to be anything crazy mm -hmm. like i get to decide what that means but if I decide, oh, I have to go to the gym for one hour every day, otherwise I haven't done anything for myself, well, then of course I'm going to feel bad when I don't go. Okay. But I don't, I'm not going to set myself up for that. Like, that's, that's still, at this point in life, finally, right? Like, yeah. I've done that. Yeah. Um, but I think we all did. We, I think it, it, at one point in our life, we all had this same hamster life, like, uh, struggles, you know, like running around and it, circling you know, in that circle. So what about like parenting in your thirties and with a, like, I think with a very demanding job, like doing sure. in the medical business, you know, like you, you are, what, what could, would you recommend to people in their thirties to do? I know there is a lot of like guilty feeling involved. Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Hashtag mom guilt, right? Yeah. Those people say. And maybe, um, I don't know, maybe Dr. Mom Guilt is a... Oh, yeah, I'm like, next level. <laughs> next level. I'm taking care of everyone except my kids, right? Like, this. sometimes we feel like that, too. But um, I think that it really just depends on what you've decided and about what you're being intentional about. Mm -hmm. I think that's the bottom line. A lot... I may not have changed anything mm -hmm. that I did. So my kids, you know, went to daycare. We had a nanny. Uh, I worked a lot. I worked some days longer. I worked some days shorter. My husband goes, went to work at like 6 a.m. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there were so many things, but I didn't. And, and maybe all those things still would be exactly the way that they happened. But I didn't really think about it. And I didn't give myself permission to do those things. Mm -hmm. I was just I felt in my head and I was thinking in my head, I have to do these things. 
I have no choice. Mm-hmm. And when I tell myself something like that or think something like that, I just create a feeling of guilt. And it's not motivating. It's not self-compassion. It's not a feeling of love. And then it creates a bunch of actions, you know, a cascade of actions towards myself and my children and my house and my family and my husband that just kind of perpetuates resentment almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I think that if if we could all just be a little bit more like, I wish I could have been a little more intentional with my decision making. You know, mm-hmm. yes, I decided to put my kids in daycare here or daycare there or school here or whatever, right? Like I decided I was going to go to work these hours and but I didn't go into it thinking I am consciously deciding this and I am choosing to do this. I went into it like I have to do it because I have to do this. It was even like, I mean, gosh, I hate this thought. I guess I guess I probably had a thought along the lines of I am choosing to work and so I have to put my kids in daycare. Mm. And that feels horrible. Like it really feels like I shouldn't be working and that my kids shouldn't go to daycare. At least for me. Mm-hmm. Um, versus I'm choosing to work and I'm choosing to send them to a Spanish-speaking daycare yeah. that they're getting lots of love at. Yeah, yeah. Like socialization, right? Yeah, like, you know, they have to be social too, you know? Sure. Well, yeah. I didn't I didn't have to justify, but rather I just, I'm choosing to do this because I want to versus I have to. And just the simplest change in change. thought Really, this is what, for me, this is what coaching has really changed. Just catching myself when I say those, I have tos and I shoulds. Because when I say that I have tos and I shoulds, the feelings are, are never, they always feel yucky. Mm-hmm. But the I choose to, I am choose. It doesn't always have to be like, oh, I want to. I can't wait to do this. Uh, I can't wait to wake up at 6 a.m. Uh, and drop off uh, the lunches and go to work. But, I mean, okay, come on. But I'm choosing to do those things as a very neutral thought and I can live with that. I can live with the I'm choosing to do it. And I think also, you know, like in our 30s, we talk to ourselves very sometimes harshly, you know, like if, I'm sure if a, a friend of yours uh, like mm-hmm. came to you and said, you know, I have to go to work and I have to drop the kids to the daycare, you would say, no, it's not like that. No, you have to be more nice to yourself. You are doing a great job. You are a great mom and you will tell everything to that friend. But when you are to- when we are talking to ourselves, we are like, you know, you are a very bad mom. Like you didn't spend that, you know, 15 minutes uh, with your kids and you listen to that podcast or you woke up at 6am and woke the kids up at 6am. Like, you know, like all these things. So I think we need to be a little bit nicer to ourselves. Sometimes we oh. can be our own bully, you know, and I think we have to stop that. And I think in our 40s and some beyond, we st- we start to learn that. But if we have done this in our 30s, I think it will be a an easier process for us. And for oh, our- It's just a few more years of, un- like, that you don't have to unlearn those thoughts. Yes. It's like a habit. Little by little, you know, being nicer every day. (laughs) And I'll tell you, though, like, so for me also, some of the thoughts I had to realize I was thinking were that it wasn't good enough. Mm. But 
I also finally understood that when I told myself that when I was like 15 or 16 years old, let's say, like this is like way back, right? Or eight or nine years old or 20 even. Uh-huh. When I said to myself, your 85% is not good enough or your 95% is not good enough or this score on this grade is not good enough, your GPA is not good enough. At that time in my life, many times, it was actually motivating. Like uh-huh. it didn't make me feel bad. When I was 15, I was like, I just got to do better next time because I need to do better and I need to, I want to go to college. So I need to do better, Right. And same thing in college, like I need to do better so that I can get into medical school. That was motivating and it propelled me to do better. But those thoughts continued on. And at some point in my 30s, late 30s for me, um, I realized that like nothing was still good enough. I kept having these thoughts in my head and they were getting worse almost. Like, But it wasn't true and it was no longer propelling me, more importantly. It was no longer motivating. It was rather causing a feeling of inadequacy. I see. And so at some point, you're like, I have to re- reevaluate the thoughts that are in my head. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, that's very. And I think also sometimes those those thoughts like push us to think that 30s are too late to change things in our lives. You know, for example, yeah. uh, changing career or adding something to your career like like you, you did, you know, like, you know, adding the health coaching to your medical degree. Uh, So I think, you know, we have to pass this thought and we have to understand that thirties are like just, just the beginning, just the beginning. Because like you are starting to understand life. You are, you know, forming your own family or your own life. Uh, so you can change things. You can still learn things. You can add things. You can remove things in your career life. So, and if you are unhappy about it, you have the power of changing it, right? In your thirties, like in every year of your life, of course. But thirties is never late to change things. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean. I got lucky. Um, you know, there's two things about this. So one is I got super lucky because I have patients of all ages, right? Mm-hmm. So I have patients from like age 16, 17, 18 years old to like 100, you know, and my 70 to 100 year old patients are the ones that give the best advice mm-hmm. and are willing to give advice and are wanting to give advice. Mm-hmm. And they are the ones that that have really helped me along the, my path. Mm-hmm. They you know, are like, this is exactly what you're supposed to be doing in your 30s. This is how you are. And honestly, you don't even have to be unhappy to change something. I was not unhappy. Sure, sure. I actually, I mean, thankfully, I just, I mean, I don't know. I guess sometimes I was, but it was more like a, I have everything and I'm still missing something. So I just wanted to up level to something more. I mean, many people will say, look at me and be like, what more do you want? And I, you're so whatever. Like I, I, even I looked at myself and was like, you're being super ungrateful with everything that you have in your whole life. You have everything on earth that anyone could want. Like what do you, what more do you want? But I just, I didn't even know what it was, but I had to kind of get a coach to help me uncover some fears. Like one of, I mean, I broke down probably my second coaching session ever when I was like, I just want to do more community service. And she's like, I don't know why you're crying, <laughs> you know, and I was like, she's like, I don't, I don't understand. You're going to have to tell me why you're crying, um, you know? And at the time it was because I had this longing 
to give back to my community in a, in another capacity. I didn't know what that meant yet. Mm. And I was afraid that adding something to my plate was going to take away from me kids. Mm. Yeah. And I was like, well, it's not possible. It's not possible for me to add any more to my plate and not take away from my kids. It has to, something has to give. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, but you do know that if you add something and it doesn't work, you can take it away or you can change something. Yeah. And at that time, I heard someone say, well, I heard Brooke Castillo, life coach school. I'm not, I don't work for them, but I just have to credit her where credit is due. Uh-huh. You know, I read her, I watched her little video and she said something like, your life will be unrecognizable. And I thought, oh, I don't want my life to be unrecognizable. <laughs> I do like my life. Yeah. But I didn't know what she meant from like how I could be fine to good to actually like great. Mm-hmm. And it's not because anything necessarily has officially changed, like tangibly changed, but rather just my thought process has changed about the things that are around me. And I sound like this like rose-colored glasses optimist, and anyone that knows me knows that I am not, (laughs) or I wasn't, but the things that I can choose to think that can create like, I don't know, thoughts that actually do serve me or even positive thoughts, I guess I will. You know, I can't change the way that the world exists gosh i really really wish i do could and and did and there's a lot of things that i dislike and that make me very angry and frustrated and sad mm-hmm. um and and that's all part of life too um i hate i say that hesitantly because i i believe it but i hate believing it mm-hmm. um but if i can choose my thoughts then i guess i'm gonna work on that first yeah i think and this is the one that you can change easily you know like the other things around you you have to you you cannot change them completely but your thoughts your whatever like investing yourself can can be the easiest thing oh yeah yeah i think i think investing yourself whether it be getting a gym membership or getting a yoga mat uh fancy yoga mat (laughs) uh i've never had a fancy yoga mat i don't know why you need one but I just decided I wanted one this time. Okay. Um, Hopefully this new year you will get Christmas. Yeah, you know, like, um, I don't really even, I don't do yoga much, um, but I will occasionally, like, watch a YouTube exercise video at home. And if my yoga mat makes me want to do it more often, then so be it. Yeah. You know, I, I want, I love fresh flowers in my house. I just decided I was going to commit to buying myself flowers every so often. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, just little things. Like, and really being honest with myself. I used to tell myself, well, that's a waste of money. That's a waste of time. That's a waste of, that's why I don't have a fancy yoga mat yet. I still have the $5 one. <laughs> five below. Um, it's okay. I love it. I love that one too. Um, but I don't have to justify it to myself anymore. Like, if I want it, I want it. It's not unreasonable. It's not going to make me overdraft my account. And it, I choose to make it ha- make, make me happy. Yeah. That's okay with me. I think you know in 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 their thirties, women usually they are running around like uh, headless chickens, so they don't have time to like you know just stop and think why are they thinking like that? You know, like the, to to question their own thought process. So I think even like slowing down, I I don't say stop like all no no that's not thing. That's a slow down. No, slow down, and while you are slowing down, just question your thoughts question the way you talk to yourself and 
maybe you will find something that is not working or that that you can make it better and it, this will change things and it will have a like a butterfly effect so it will change things you know accordingly so you made me realize that one of the ways to slow down because you know if you told me 10 years ago to slow down i would have been like i don't even know what that means <laughs> like, I don't know. when how what is who's gonna do all the things exactly what time should i slow down for yeah. how long <laughs> exactly well let me let me figure out when and if and how long i can do that for right well there was two things that i started doing that i'm okay i'm reminding myself so one is um i actually set an alarm for the moment that i left my work so i would leave my work to pick up my kids from school or daycare and i used to joke but it's true when i left my medical practice that my real work was starting because at least at my medical practice there was like instructions on how to be a doctor there are no instructions on how to be all the other things and so i'm like now i have to make it all up myself <laughs> and so i would get in my car and i would literally do five minutes of mindful meditation because there's nothing else to do in my car um as I'm parked and there's no one around me. And I just like, that was my five minutes of like quiet time. Um, and actually, even before that, I used to, we used to take our kids to the gym. We would put them in kids care and then me and my husband would work out. But I would actually go after I dropped them in kids care back to my car and do 10 minutes of mindful meditation and then go work out. And there's actually research that I didn't know this, but there is actually research that that improves uh, mood and serotonin and endorphins, uh, mindfulness plus exercise. And so I guess I was on to something. I haven't done it regularly <laughs> recently. So thank you for the reminder. And also um, journaling, like two minutes, two minutes, guys, two minutes. Like if you can journal, then you can actually get the thoughts out of your racing head onto paper. Mm. You don't have to do anything with that journal. Just write it for yourself. But at some point, if you have five minutes, you could do journaling for two minutes and then stare at it for a couple minutes. And then that's a good way of sort of becoming aware of your thoughts. Um, it's a harder way because we're not very good critics of ourselves. Or we're, we are over critics of ourselves. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's really harsh. Harsh things. Um, so I think a compassionate friend or a coach or a friend that's a coach, uh, you know, um, <laughs> It would be ideal because she can kind of, or he can kind of stop you and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just heard should have to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you don't even hear it because we say it so often. We don't, we don't, can't catch ourselves. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, those are extremely helpful uh, tips. And I think you give us, you gave like people in uh, their thirties a to-do list to do. No, like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no, it's not a to-do list, but it's like, you could do these things, you know, like you can try those things, you know, like, um, because in, in our thirties, everything was like, you know, minute to minute, like a to-do oh, yeah. list. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a to-do list. This is not to put extra pressure on you. <laughs> Just like <laughs> some. Uh, being there done that kind of advices right oh when I first started so first of all when somebody told me about meditation long time ago I'm I'm Indian I was born a Hindu so meditation has been something I've heard of my whole life uh, at 16 17 years old I remember being like this is impossible how can empty, empty their brain right and eventually I got came back to it sometime in my 30s I guess and I used to beat myself up about that too like mm. oh you can't even do this right Candy. Me too. Like same thing, you know. <laughs> so guided meditation. I think that's a good place to start. Like literally, you can YouTube five minute guided meditation. 
Um, and there's a few different ones. You'll, you can try all the different, there's like 10,000 probably, uh, you know, try a different few different ones that you feel like, you know, resonate with you. And, um, when it's guided, I feel like you have something to concentrate on, like somebody else's voice, somebody else helping you through it. And please don't do what I did. It's okay. And you know why it's called practicing? Because we're not supposed to ever like actually get it. I know there's people in the Himalayas that can actually do it. Uh, I, I remember, you know, I was also stressing myself when they were saying, you know, go to your happy place. I'm like, which one is my happy place? Like, where is my happy place? <laughs> exactly. I, am I at the right happy place or do I have another happy place in my mind? Oh, so I'm like, I agree. I agree. It takes so, practice. It takes a lot of practice. Yes. I think it takes a lot of practice, patience, and like, you know, like to be kind to yourself, like kindness. <laughs> <laughs> that's the hard part i think for me that was probably but still one of the hardest parts but i have to catch myself i can't change it i can't be kind to myself if i don't first notice what i'm saying to myself mm. so i think that's really the first step yeah listening and then catching up and then correcting it <laughs> yeah well, uh, as you know, like uh, toward the end of our conversation, I have three questions for you. Uh, the first one is, what were the breaking points in your 30s, if there were any, that make you change your, change something in your life? Like it can be your career, your personal life, like what sure. do you have? Um, I think sort of what I was saying earlier that I, I kept on thinking about how something was missing. I just, just, I had this recurring thought that something was missing. Mm -hmm. Um, at the time, it was not, I can do more. It, it kind of started turning into that. I want more impact. I want to be able to inspire. I want to, I, it didn't, but at the time, this recurring thought of something is missing or I should be happier or, or I have arrived. Like there's a whole thing called arrival fallacy, right? Like I was a doctor. My husband was a, phys a surgeon. I had two children. We own a house. We actually owned two cars. Like we didn't even have car payments at the time. Uh, you know, like just, and something, it wasn't that I was unhappy. I just was like, is this it? Like, I just didn't quite, I was like, what is missing? And then I was of course beating myself up about <laughs> not being beautiful. But um, I think that recurring thought and was one of my, what led up to like a sort of a aha moment. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know what it is, but I got to start looking for. And, and instead of turning away from the thought something is missing, mm -hmm. I let myself turn towards it and start exploring. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Even though it felt bad, it felt uncomfortable and scary. Yeah. But I was, I just kind of was like, I'm just going to do it anyway and see what happens. And we'll go from there. Yeah. So like, I think, you know, being that, uh, being uncomfortable and going through sometimes that rough phase is, can be a little bit scary for people, but I think you have to push through that phase and learn something new about yourself or what you really want to add to your life. Right. So, uh, the second question is, uh, one thing that you swore by in your thirties that you don't believe in anymore. Uh, I think I was just talking about this the other day. So I swore that there was right and wrong. Uh, okay. That's it. 
I, that's probably the premise of my whole life. Um, you know, like, and, and of course, as a scientist, as a physician, like there, there is somewhere in wrong. Okay. Right. Fine. But it doesn't really apply to everything. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, sometimes when I said that to my patients, they would just, especially the older ones, they would just look at me like with this kind of smirk and I'm like, are you telling me that there is not really much black and white, you know, like that it isn't really right and wrong. And they kind of look at me again and I'm like, oh God, is there no black and white? <laughs> you know, and they're like, and the gray is, is what makes the world colorful and beautiful. Yes, yes. And the human experience is what is it's super scary, it is unknown, it is uncomfortable, but we have to learn that God, apparently there is no black and white. Yes. There is no official right and wrong, but it's okay. Or and it's okay. And it's okay. And it's okay. And I'm not going to die because I'm uncomfortable. Yes. Oh, Usually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, our third question is, if the 30-year-old sap would be sitting right across you right now, what would you tell her? Yeah, kind of what I said earlier, which is like... Yes, yes. Actually, I started with that, this one. Let's... I know, I forgot. <laughs> I this was one of the questions. Um, I think, again, it's, it's worth reiterating because telling my 30 year old self that you are on the right track and probably 30 for me 30 was still like i had just had my second kid and that was just starting my practice well i had started my practice and my husband was still in fellowship so i hadn't quite like arrived yet i was still sort of in like survival mode and going through all the motions and i have to's and i just was like oh i'm just gonna do all the things that are on my you know checklist mm -hmm. your mom be a doctor etc yeah. right so i was still in the checklist mode mm -hmm. but maybe like 32 34 I guess maybe coming up to my 35th birthday, I, I can remember a little bit about that where I was like, I wasn't, I was kind of shaky about all the things I was doing. You know, I was now a doctor for more than five or six years. And I was like, am I, am I doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing? Or am I just going through the motions? Which yes, I was, but I wish I could tell her you're on the right track. Actually, like all these feelings you're feeling, they're all part of it. And, and, and they're actually valid. Um, all those feelings are fine. They're scary. They're uncomfortable. Yeah. And sometimes we don't want to feel them. But if you are willing to feel those feelings, something great is on the other side. Sure. Yes. I think we need a, that, you know, that tap on the shoulder. And I think we can give it to ourselves the best. Right. You know, at that moment, we are not realizing that, but looking back at that time, we are saying, oh my God, I did a very good job, you know, handling all those things in my life. So I was a, yeah, a good, a successful person, you know? Well, sometimes you have to remind yourself, one of my first coaches made me actually make a binder, super uncomfortable, <laughs> a make a binder of all of my accomplishments oh my god like first I was, I was supposed to probably write down like a whole page of stuff but i am better visually so i took like i made picture collages sort of uh -huh. and at first i was like like you know like like second grade speech contest and so you went all through the that's what she told me to do i mean they don't 
I couldn't even find anything. I was just like, find a picture of you winning this like French speech contest. I'm like, what? Okay, I don't think I have one, but I can, I can think of something that might represent it. And it, I guess the point of it really um, was to remind myself that I can do hard things. Yes, that's it. Mm-hmm. You can do hard things. We can do hard things. Yeah, and and we have done hard things. So why can't we do them now? Just because I don't go on the roller coaster now? That's <laughs> because I'm calculating. You know. Um, <laughs> I also won't stop my kids from doing it because I think that that's important to know I was scared and I did it anyway. And I didn't die. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> you know, uh, so even though I'm scared. Um, so sometimes like looking back, actually, there's a great book called The Gap and the Gain. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it really helped me start understanding that especially in America, we are always looking for, well, you know, it's in our it's in our everything we do, the pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. But the pursuit of happiness, like it says in this book, kind of sets us up for not being happy today. And to be happy today, you kind of have to look backwards and not forwards. Look back at what you have accomplished. Stop and smell the roses. I think that's yeah. where that came from. Yes. Um, and even if you didn't, there's plenty more roses to come. Yes. I enjoyed the ride, right? Yeah. While the ride, talking about the roller coasters, enjoy the ride while we are in it. <laughs> yeah. It's scary and thrilling all at the same time. Yes, yes, yes. Well, um, so I would like to finish with having your uh, like health coaching information. So if people want to uh, reach out to you and get sure. your services, how can they find you? Sure. Uh, just Dr. Amita Kumar.com. So it's just DR. Amitankumar.com. And I guess you can put it in the show notes or something. Yeah, so, I will also put it in the show perfect. notes. That's fine. All my info there, phone number, uh, email, some of my favorite books and podcasts and YouTube. Oh, videos. that's nice. I don't know. Some, some of my favorite things, just, you know, because, I don't know, white off. Sharing is caring. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I think it was a great talk. And I, if I was in my 30s, I think I would start uh, questioning myself about like many things in my life after listening this podcast episode. So, and that's what we want, right? We want people to question the way they handle things to like the way they talk to themselves so that they can improve little things in their life. And with it, it will create a, like a butterfly effect and it will keep going. Totally. Well, totally. thank you so much. I hope to have you again because I think it's a pleasure to have you. I, I like talking to you. Thank you. So, it was so fun. Yes, it was fun. Thank you so much. You can learn more about Mastering Your Thirties Club and group programs and all the information about my guests and also fill out our guest form for this podcast at www.masteringyourthirties.com. Listen to the new episode of Mastering Your Thirties wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you for listening. Until next time, be good to yourself.